you can be seated. Ah, oh, nine. Um, do you ever feel like you just need to get out of the way? I mean, that's that's how it feels. Um, well, good morning. Um, my name is Drew. It is an honor. To open the word this morning. Um, we're in the middle of a short series called We Are the Church. And I hope that you see this today, uh, that one of our goals here was that to proclaim, I guess we had two goals throughout this series, to proclaim from the truth, from the word of God, who the church is. See that? We, I told him to do that. You see that? Just like extra. Excellent. No, I did not. <laughs> uh, who the church is. And, um, and we also wanted to display. So, so this may feel a little bit different, um, where we're going to give a lot of opportunity for the church just to be seen. That's kind of our goal, was that there would be testimonies, and there would be moments like this, but there's also going to be moments within our service today where you're just going to hear the church talk about how much they love the church. Not bedrock, um, the church, God's church. Um, so today we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. We're going to be just uh, 13 through 15, so you can turn there in your Bibles. Uh, there's a... We're going to talk a lot about Thessalonians, but before we do that, just as far as this series, our, our, our goal was to, to cast a vision, God's vision for his church. And a, um, a quote that I said to Brian that he gave me a little ship. I should have brought it down with me. He gave me a little ship just to kind of, um, and he wrote on the bottom this quote uh, after um, we just kind of like sat with it for a while uh, by uh, Anthony de St. Exupery. Uh, he says this about vision. He says, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up the men to gather wood, um, divide the work and give orders. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. Um, and vision then is not about just what you're doing. It's about learning how to long for where you're going. Um, and so I see this all throughout scripture. I see God's God casting vision to his people over and over and over again. Um, whether it's Adam and the garden and God saying that he would one day destroy our enemy. It was Abraham where he would say, I'm going to make you a people, my people. Um, it was David where he said, I'm going to build a temple and you are going to be, I'm going to be in your midst. Whether it was the prophets that would talk about the Messiah who was Emmanuel, God with us. Whether it's the church, which is us in which he claims that he will build his kingdom, in which he is our king. Um, God's vision for his people was always that he would be with us from the beginning to the end. And so I think as we look at this series, my heart is that we would long for that, that we would see Christ and the way that he's given us access to him through through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and his presence through his spirit, but there would be part of us that would long for that day. That day when everything, all tears are gone and everything's restored and it says, behold, God is with his people. I want it. I want it. And so God's church and his kingdom is just a taste of that. And so this morning, again, it just feels like I need to get out of the way. So let me, um, let me pray. Um, then we're going to read his word, uh, and we'll talk about the church.
Father, we are your, we are your people, and we believe. Or we believe that you are who you said you are, or that you have displayed that time and time again. From the beginning of time, Lord, you have made yourself known. Lord, not that you've just created us and you've created a world, but from the beginning of time, you spoke into this world who you are in many ways and through many people and ultimately through your son. Lord, that there is a perfect display of the truth of God. Lord, and that truth was full of grace and love. So, Lord, today I pray that we would marvel. Help us to see Jesus today. Help us to see your son. To marvel at the work and the foundation that was laid by him. To celebrate the church that you are building. Lord, I pray if there's anything between us and you, or that you, through your power, that you would just, just cleanse us. If there's any repentance, if there's anything in us that is not of you, Lord, would you just remove that today? Lord, would your work, as we are faithfully called out into the streets, Lord, would your work continue in here in our hearts? Lord, would you cleanse us? Because we need it, and you're the only one that can. We love you. In your name, amen. All right, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 13 through 15. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go through this week. Um, Brian opened us up, um, and this week we're going to talk about the word, and we're going to talk about service. Next week we're going to talk about team, and we're going to talk about community. So this, when I think of the word, this is the passage that I think of. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says this. It says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you, had, you accepted it, not as a word of man, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, who, you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. All right, now to jump just straight into that is a lot. So we need to do a little bit of context, a little bit of background. Um, the first thing that we're going to see here is that have like just two questions today. The first question is, have you accepted the word of God? Have you accepted the word of God? So I get to talk about Paul. Paul's like one of my favorites. I realized while we were writing this that um, I don't know that we've done one of Paul's letters. And so I think I don't know that we've gotten the opportunity yet as a church to talk about who he is. Paul has this incredible testimony that he grew up as a devout Jew and the Lord just met him on the road to Damascus. If you want to learn about it, you can look in Acts chapter 9. And there is this incredible conversion. And Paul does, the Lord does something in Paul's heart. They actually changes his name from Saul to Paul. And he begins to proclaim Christ everywhere that he goes. So he goes to Jerusalem. Then he goes to Antioch. And from Antioch, which is this extremely important church in the early church, the Lord sends Paul and he sends Barnabas. He sends Silas. He sends others out from this church. And God uses Paul to do the same thing everywhere that he goes. He, he enters into a town. He proclaims the word of God. People disagree and, and, and they resist. And there's also people that come to know him and follow him. And out of those that come to know him, follow him, there is some and few that come to be, his, be disciples of Jesus. And they grow and they learn. And out of that, there's a church that's built. And you see this happen over and over and over again. And so with the church here in Thessalon Thessalonica, 
Um, this happens in Acts chapter 17. So let's look first, before we dive into this, let's look at how this took place. Acts 17, one through nine. So this is Paul going into Thessalonica. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, and was his, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and providing that it was proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out of the crowd. And when they had, could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Okay. Paul engages the city with the gospel. This is something that we've been learning as a network. Um, when we talk about a lot of times we talk about church planting, and Vance Pittman is one of the is the uh, president of the North American Mission Board, and I love what he's saying right now because it's helpful to us as a people. Because um, we, uh, when we talk about planting churches, oftentimes what we mean is that we're going to go and start a church, and within that church we're going to raise up disciples, and then out of that we're going to send them into the city, and they're going to engage the city with the gospel. But what you see biblically that happens is the exact opposite that Paul would go into his city and he would engage the city with the gospel. And out of that, disciples would be made. And out of that, God would build his church. And so we see this as a biblical model of what it looks like to actually see the kingdom of God grow and expand throughout the entire world. That there would be a proclamation of the gospel that would actually, that the power would be held in the words that are spoken, that there would be a proclamation of the gospel that would change lives, transform people, and not just some people. The words of their enemies say here that they've turned the world upside down. That that would be, would be what the people that are opposed to you would look at the things that you've done and they would say, the world is different now. Something happened and everything that was is no longer. It feels like there's chaos because everything that we had, the culture that we once embraced is changing. There's a message that has come into this culture and it's transforming our people and they're resisting it, but they have to acknowledge something's different now. The world is changing. You see this beautiful picture of how the gospel just, the word of God just spreads he did this in Thessalonica, but he also did this in Corinth. Again, like I said, this is what he did everywhere that he went. And so um, let me, his record of how he did it in Corinth, he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 6, he says, I delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that we, he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the 12, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom who are still alive. Um, he said, but some have fallen asleep. If I were gonna defend the resurrection, I think the first thing that I would do is bring an, bring an eyewitness. Like that kind of feels different, you know? <laughs> that you would say, why don't you talk about the 500 first, you know? <laughs> 
that he would be like, well, you know, there's 500 people that witnessed Christ. And that's kind of what jumps off the page to me. I'm like, why is it only recorded like right there? Like where was, and I, I think, but what Paul is saying, his greatest evidence for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he says it at the beginning, the scriptures. He says, I delivered you as a first importance, what I received, that Christ died for our sins accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He's saying, these scriptures testify something. And they hold a greater witness than anything that we can even do on our own. These scriptures, the way that Jesus said it, the way he said it in John chapter five, he said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is they that bear witness about me and yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. What Jesus saw and what Paul saw was that from the beginning of time, the word of God, the message of God, the scriptures was all, as God creates the world, he speaks into existence everything. And he doesn't just leave it there. As darkness overwhelms this world, he actually speaks life and light into the world, that he is pursuing us. Do you see that? That God from the beginning of time is a God that is moving towards you. One of the reasons that weekends like this are so important because if God moves towards us, one of the things that should naturally happen out of the overflow of God in us is that we should move towards brokenness. And so I think you see from the beginning of time that God is moving towards you and he's making a way, whether it's through the prophets, whether it's through the teachings, and he's constantly calling his people back. We're in the middle of Joshua. Do you notice he just tells Joshua that we had, we had this big worship service in Joshua chapter eight, where there's this moment where just, he says, just write it down. Write down everything that I've ever said and just worship because he's like, he's wanting to show them over and over again that I am making a way. I'm making a way for my presence, whether it's the ark, whether it's the temple, whether it's the covenants, God is moving towards you and making a way. And all of that builds to Jesus. All of that. I think one of the most profound ways that it's said in all of scripture is in John chapter one. John chapter one, verse 14. John lays out this incredibly, like incredibly theologically dense chapter. And he says this in verse 14. He says, the word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So that God would not only move towards us, and that he would make himself known to us from the beginning of time, but that that word, that truth, would actually take on flesh and dwell among us. And not only be a model for us, an example, but would be what he called a door, the way. That it would open up for us a way to know truth. And that that truth then, when lived out, would shape us. The words that are used here of Paul's description in 1 Thessalonians in our passage, he says it's working. This word that you received is now working in you. Um, in reference to that passage, uh, John Piper says, he says, John 
calls Jesus the word because he had come to see the words of Jesus as the truth of God and the person of Jesus as the truth of God in such a unified way that Jesus himself in his coming and working and teaching and dying and rising was the final and decisive message of God. Um, that Jesus Christ, all of this, would be at the heart. Um, let's read our passage again. It says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. I think today we are inundated with words from men. Um, it's absolutely everywhere. And it just feels like, um, I, I, think, uh, I think back to like, all right, well, I'm, I, my parents used to have this massive TV in the basement. Did you guys have one of those TVs that sits on the floor, you know? And it's just like this big screen. And if you hit like a ball against it, it would like, whoa, 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 whoa. it was just like massive. And it never really had signal. And I look back, I remember at the time, I thought it was like the clearest thing I'd ever seen. And then like flat screens came out and everyone paid like $10,000 for a flat screen. My dad was like, never gonna happen, you know? And then eventually, now I think you can go pick one up for like, a, like $100 if you feel like it. Um, but these TVs, like it was, there was something about it that it just never, at least ours, I don't know about yours, it was never clear. And you could kind of like, you could mess with the dial or you could mess with the antennas and try to get it. And sometimes I feel like that's where we're at. And eventually, you would find yourself in a place where you're just like, you would get it perfect just right, you know? <laughs> and the image would come through perfectly clear and you'd be like, don't move. And I would have my youngest brother just stand there, you know? And you're just like, dude, don't move. I need to watch the game. Um, and I think sometimes that's how it feels in our world where you're just like, there's so much static. Like, it just feels like everywhere that you go, like the word of man is everywhere, always available to us. You know, whether it's on the internet, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's on even just within our job, whether it's just trying to navigate. Do you know how many people? I mean, um, we had... Man, it was incredible on, on Friday in particular to have people go out and serve in the city. And that's something that we get to do regularly, and it's just incredible. As my job was to kind of make sure that every, everyone had what they needed. And so we also served lunch here to this building. And so people go out into the city, but at the same time, um, we're ser serving lunch to engineers and creative people and people that are probably wouldn't be a completely different demographic than the one that you were serving on Friday. And I'm like, these people need Jesus. And I think what you I hear over and over again, people that are just like, they're searching for something true. They just want an anchor and they will find it with absolutely anything. And the danger is that you'll find yourself clinging to something that is not true. And what happens here, what happens here is that Paul comes to them he proclaims the word. So a human comes to them, proclaims words that are divine, a message that is straight from the Lord, and through the Holy Spirit's power, they believe. And not only do they believe, it begins to work in them. There's evidence that that belief and what they believe to be true is changing them. So much so that the whole city, a Greek city, is now in an uproar because someone has come and proclaimed a message that's changing the world. They're looking for something that is true. Um, Paul Tripp, uh, in his book, I think I'll give a little. Um, Paul Tripp wrote a book called Do You Believe? We're going to be going through it a lot in our class. So if you want to go, if you want to learn more, um, I'll give you, this is a little teaser. 
Uh, but in his, in his chapter about the doctrine of Scripture, this is what he says. He says, there is hope for fools because there is wisdom to be found, not first in the university classroom, on the pages of a research paper, on a popular podcast, or on New York Times bestsellers list, but in the pages of God's Word. You can be highly trained and still be a fool. You can be well-educated ed and gifted communicator and still be a fool. You can be successful and prominent and be a fool. You can have social media dominance and still be a fool. You can be a person that people look to for guidance and still be a fool. But no one is hopelessly trapped in their foolishness because God, who is the source of all true wisdom, is a God of tender, forgiving, and rescuing grace. To all who confess their foolishness and run to him for wisdom, he offers mercy and grace in their time of need. What you see here is the word works within the church. And what I love about this um, is that as the word worked, they began to become imitators of Christ. It's like exactly what we're called to do. Paul's description of his ministry says, I want to I'm minister so that you can grow in your maturity in Christ, that you would be presented at the end mature in Christ. So you see this, that people are formed and shaped. Um, again, display. So as, um, as a church, one of the ways that we try to keep the word at the center is through its proclamation on Sundays. We think this is extremely important. It's important for us to come around the word and just remind ourselves again of the grace of God. Um, and then there's times in our city groups. But I think more than anything, what we want is we want to be people of the word. My prayer is that we would be people that would not just to consume, come to consume the word and learn a little, but I think the reason that we're constantly holding classes and proclaiming the word is that we would hopefully, we would grow as a body to be people that naturally just run to the word and we speak the word over each other. That we wouldn't naturally first go to like man-made wisdom, but we would be people that look first to what does God's word say, and we would live under that authority. And as we do that, as we do that, we would become to look like Christ. Um, and so we wanted to give an opportunity for people to speak to um, how the word has shaped them within this church. Um, and this is, this is just a proclamation of what the Lord has done uh, within our body. So, video. And say thank you to Caleb for all of his hard work on these videos. <laughs> and how have you seen uh, Bedrock put the word at the center of the church? I think that has been the most obvious thing um, for me. Um, just seeing, like, for example, with the women's ministry yeah. of how we just open up the word <clears throat> and said, what does the Bible say about women's ministry yeah. and then we developed like our mission and values around that and like hospitality of like what does the bible say about ho like hospitality biblical hospitality yep, yep. and doing that um i just appreciate how bedrock has sermon series that just start in a book and mm -hmm. just go through it mm -hmm. and it's not like oh like let's just cherry pick whatever passages we think the people want to hear but mm -hmm. <clears throat> more so like what is what is this word and what yeah. are we learning here? So I've yeah. just I felt I feel like the programming and Sunday service just starts with the word and everything else um, flows from that. Yeah, that's really yeah. Um, I feel like it's been a, a very primary thing. Like as we've been moving forward as a church, as we've been here in Fishtown and um, just growing, like that the word is always something that is at the center of everything we do.
man, there's so many ways to describe it. But I sometimes I feel like you could describe like the word as almost like can be a guide, but more so like the word tells us about who Jesus is, and that's the whole reason why we're a church is because we want to know and know more of who Jesus is and to love him more and like through scripture we get to learn more about who he is um and to 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 grow in our knowledge of him and to love him all right so why do you believe that it's important for a church to place the word at the center of what it does Mm -hmm. yeah i think that similar to what i like saying is that i think the word is i mean it's the it's the our love letter from the from god Mm -hmm. and so it allows us to learn about god and it's it's so dynamic um with from like Genesis to Revelation, mm-hmm. just the the differences. Oh, even remembering our sermon series that covered yes. like the gates. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just, just, it's so dynamic. And so I think that with, it is the center of what we yes. believe yeah. and it needs to be at the center of a church because um, how are we supposed to know what we believe mm-hmm. if it's not like so prevalent like that? Um, it guides us. There's wisdom, there's joy, there's promises there's from deuteronomy to philippians like we can it's it's the it's what god is speaking to us as his his what he has laid out for us um and so yeah i believe it's important because it allows us to be connected and to learn more about god and just stir that affect our affections on for for the lord um i think the world gives us a lot of things to believe in and can be very distracting and so a church is a place that I look forward to teaching me like, okay, what is God's design for, for this, for marriage, yeah. for family, for emotional health, um, whatever it may yeah. be. Like what is the Lord's design? Yes, and So how has that been helpful for you personally in your growth? Yeah. Um, I, before I came to Bedrock, I think I did more of a devotional kind of reading yeah. where I would take a few verses and, sometimes allow other people to produce like what takeaway I would get out of it. Um, But the course, the Bible, the Bible reading course, like completely changed the way that I read, I read the word now Um, with just with the context and like word, word journeys. And I just find myself like going down rabbit holes to be like, Oh my gosh, like this connects to something that I read (laughs) like three, three weeks ago and like flipping and going back and forth. So I think that the Bible course like really helped me, understand the context and just how to go book by book and um, just appreciation for just, you don't have to have pressure and like yeah. have this giant takeaway. It's simply just like reading the, the word and learning more about God. So I think my knowledge has grown obviously of the Lord and my affection for the Lord has been stirred on because of just the way Bedrock has integrated the the word and like has just made that so primary. Yeah, um, yeah I definitely just really enjoy reading yeah i think the weeks always get a little crazy and so it's nice like on specifically on sunday mornings um like just to be able to be reminded of the gospel be reminded of the truth and to be able to gather together as a whole church to worship the lord and to study his word together and to respond in obedience to the lord together which i think has always been a huge encouragement for me for the sunday morning times but even outside of that of like times in like city groups like being able to study the word together especially like in going through times where there's just a lot of questions or there's a lot of hurt or hardships that you're walking through and to be able to be reminded of the truth of scripture and to apply that to our lives and 
apply it to the specific situations in our lives, especially like the difficult ones, or even the ones where we just have questions or doubts and being able to work through those things together, like in scripture. And it's also just really cool. Like, like sometimes in our city group, we would like take a book of the Bible and study through it. And you would just find like these natural conversations about life that come through up, come mm-hmm. through that when you're just reading, you know, passage by passage through a, a book of the Bible. Um, it's cool. It's just like how life questions and life applications just happen as you're studying scripture together and just spending time in the word. So how has that enabled you to connect with other people? Do you feel like it's impacted your conversations with other people within the church? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Within the church too. But I think that I've noticed in my work too, that I will be using biblical concepts with non-believers and I'm, I'm like, start saying like, oh yeah, like what things are life-giving for you? Or, you know, just different concepts that I don't even, I, I truly believe the Lord like takes over in that way. But I, I feel like it has allowed me to connect um, yeah. uh, with people outside of our space even, um, and just know that the Lord is giving me these truths that I've collected along mm-hmm. the way. And then certainly within the body, um, like discipleship has been a really cool way for me to grow more in love with mm-hmm. like the Lord, but through the word, um, just being able to be paired with someone and yeah. go like, I don't know, like, just open it up and be like, what does the, what does the Lord have for us? And yeah. if someone were to, whether it's within the church, outside of the church, if someone were like, I am, I want to know more about scripture, God's word. Um, what kind of encouragement would you give them? Yeah. Well, one, that's a super exciting thing. A super yeah. exciting journey to start of diving into scripture, getting to know who God is through his word. And so I think first and foremost, like as you're picking up your Bible and you're reading, like don't feel like you have to have like this hour long time all the time. To, <laughs> or has to be look a certain way all day, every day. But to simply just approach the word and know that it's okay to have questions. Mm. Um, I think for me, whenever I first started reading the word, I felt like I couldn't ask questions. Um, I felt like I had to just kind of figure it out on my own. But that's what the church is here for, is to, to walk alongside each other and to, to provide a space for people to ask questions about what does this text mean? Like, what does Jesus mean when he says this? Or, you know, I'm, there's a story that happens, but I really don't know what, <laughs> what's going on with it or what's being said. And like, this is a space where you can ask those questions mm-hmm. and the church is a place and the people who we can ask those questions with. And so, yeah, I think the biggest thing is like, don't be afraid to ask questions, mm-hmm. but also like if... That goes with too, like if you don't really understand something, don't feel like you have to just brush past it because you might figure it out later on. But it's okay to like spend the time to 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 sit with that or to try to learn it.